TotallyTickets.com presents the Franchise Oklahoma City Thunder First Take Post Game Show on 1077 The Franchise and 1079 The Franchise Tulsa. Yeah, it's a different season, it's a new season. Different roster, different Oklahoma City Thunder team. Five and four in their first nine games. Playing the Spurs tonight in Oklahoma City. But a lot remains the same, mainly that LaMarcus Aldridge continues to hit mid-range jumpers against the Oklahoma City Thunder, and a few late to put the San Antonio Spurs ahead for good. And this one, defeating the Oklahoma City Thunder, 110-102. to If I recall correctly, I don't believe the Thunder have won at home, but I'm sure if they have Christine Butterfield right next to me, or Matt Burton, my lovely producer, my beautiful producer, uh, will let me know that I was wrong, but I'm pretty sure that they have not won at home just yet. But again, I could be wrong because I always am. But I'm Brady Trantham. Welcome to the First Take Thunder postgame show here on that 107.7 The Franchise Machine. We are here. You are listening. So let's talk about the game that we just all watched. And depending on your attitude as a Thunder fan, which is going to be very fluid throughout the season, it's a, you know, this was a perfect, perfect type of game. For the tanking crowd, it was competitive. The Thunder led throughout the majority of the first 15, 16, 17 minutes of this game. And then the Spurs took control for good. But it was a close competitive game where you saw guys like Hamadou Diallo continue on their rhythm that they've been on for the last few games. You've seen guys like SGA who, uh, over the last few games, have started to attack a lot uh, a lot earlier in games rather than late in games. Uh, Shea Gillis Alexander lived in the paint for the majority of this game. Uh, Darius Baisley took some nice steps. Even Pokashevsky hit another bank shot. So it was a perfect game for the tanking crowd. You get the result that you want, Christine. But there was still a lot that you can be entertained by and still stuff that you can take from this game, from the first nine games, moving forward to be excited for. Yeah, I it was interesting watching it from the beginning because the Thunder were actually ahead in the first quarter. And I think a lot of that was attributed to them being aggressive, getting into the lane and attacking the rim, which they did a great job of doing, SGA in particular, like you said. But I guess they just weren't able to follow it up tonight with any really strong three-point shots. I mean, Lou Dort was three of six, which is good. Darius Baisley, two of seven. And Hamadou Diallo. Oh, sorry, zero, zero. I was reading the free throw percentages. Never mind. Um, On the last one. But the other two were correct. I guess, like, to me, it wasn't as competitive in the second half as I think we're used to watching and I don't believe that it was the best night for the Thunder by any means so I don't really know how to think about what's going to happen tomorrow night hopefully they'll bounce back and have a better game for me like I don't think it ended up being that competitive near the end because the Spurs were able to just sustain their lead for a long period of time. Yeah, and look, the Thunder dug themselves a hole in the second quarter. Uh, they got outscored 25-17 to 17 after being uh, leaving the first quarter tied with the Spurs at 26. Uh, but, you know, third quarter scoring 30-29 to 29 for Oklahoma City, uh, 32-29 in the fourth quarter in favor of the Spurs. So, I mean, yeah, it I never felt like the Thunder were going to actually steal this game. I mean, there was a point late where they're down 104-100. Al Horford hit, um, has an open three opportunity. If he knocks that down, the Thunder are down one. They seem to have a little bit of a momentum going on their side. Horford misses the shot. The Spurs just eventually you know, run their boring offense and hit some boring shots, and then they just extend their lead. So, yeah, it, it never felt like the Thunder... If they did win the game, to me, Christine, it would have been surprising. It would have just been a random, the Spurs just lapsed, and the Thunder took adva- random advantage of it because they've got Hami and Shea and Lou Dort running out of their minds all over the floor. It would have just been a random victory. So if you're a Tank fan, you're happy. They didn't get blown out. I would imagine that even Tank fans that want to watch their team lose by 15, 20 points. The entire, like the Miami Heat game, you don't want to watch. No one wants to watch that crap. No. So uh, I guess from that standpoint, it's okay, but... Uh, Mr. Burton, I see you looking at your phone. I'm assuming you're looking at great numbers and statistics. So please just drop something on me. I am. Um, the or your the thing that stands out to me: 24 points from Lonnie Walker. I do like Lonnie Walker. I was very high on him whenever he came into the draft. So was he a couple of years ago. <laughs> Got him. Uh, but no, I I said while we were watching this, I miss I miss his hair. He had great hair, by the way. Those high dreads. Kind of in a ponytail, he would he would switch him up. Now he's gone for shaving. He's he's getting more serious. Clean cut. and it shows. Twenty four points, seven to fifteen shooting, three for seven from three point line. 
Do we have uh, the advanced metrics on him when he cut his hair? I mean, Alfred Payton cut his hair and his jump shot improved because sl- he didn't have like he's he, not top heavy. His view wasn't obscured. His view wasn't obscured. Yeah. He's not top heavy anymore. There you go. So yeah, no, I I was uh, I'm surprised by that. Happily then, surprised. Happily surprised because I do like Lonnie Walker. Yep. Who doesn't? Probably, I don't know. Probably, probably <laughs> the I'll tell you who Greg Popovich last year and a lot of Spurs fans, but you know we we've all kind of learned and become better people on the other side. But Christine, I mean you, you were over there saying I didn't think it was that competitive. I mean, is there anything that stands out other than just the you know looking at the raw numbers of the score in the second quarter and understanding that's where they lost track in this game? I mean, is there anything that stands out to you, whether it was three-point shooting, whether it was uh, offensive philosophy with this game? Because it was a little different. They didn't chuck up a bunch of threes. They tried mm-hmm. to uh, dominate the paint. And for the most part, for Thunder standards this season, they did. I think it was in, it ended up being a wash of scoring in the paint between them and the Spurs. But, I mean, what really stood out to you in terms of the Thunder just kind of losing control tonight? Well, my biggest takeaway is more of a positive, but... For the past maybe three to four games, I've been looking at the bench and seeing who I believe is going to end up being the sixth man for the Thunder. And we've had this conversation before, whether it's going to be Hamadou Diallo or Mike Muscala. And my, you know, the biggest question mark is, can Hamadou Diallo be a consistently strong player for the Thunder to be that sixth man off the bench to re-energize the offense and really use athleticism to his advantage? And this is the third night that he's consistently hit double digits. And I think it's something that you really need to keep track of because he was 5 of 9 from the floor and hit all six of his free throws tonight. So he totaled for 16 points. And even though it's not the, you know, sexy double-double that he's had and it's not 25 points on the board, it's still double digits. And he was the only one on the bench to get above five points. So, I mean, for me, that's something that's going to be interesting to see moving forward if he can still keep it up because after you know three games that is a trend so you're looking to see if he can keep that up for the next couple of games of the season and really kind of mark his place as a sixth man for the thunder yeah and i'm an absolute broken record on hamadou diallo because i mean i keep going back to last year where the first three or four games before he got hurt he was playing well on both ends of the floor then he got hurt, fell out of the rotation, and was just never the same player, whether it was at the tail end of the regular, regular season or whether it was his time during the bubble. He just never was able to find that consistency, and it really seems like, Christine, that he's found something. And I'm always kind of pleasantly surprised with his shooting numbers or more so his efficiency. I mean, he was 5 of 9 tonight, but he is so active. Yeah. He is running all over the place that I just kind of assume before you know seeing the end, the box score... I'm going to see something like he was six of thirteen, or right. I mean, which is still fine, but five of nine, like it, it seems real, seems really low uh, considering how much influence he has on the bench. And like you said, the only guy off the bench with more than f- uh, with five, five or more points, points uh, yeah. Justin Jackson with five points. Uh, but an overall okay bench performance. I mean, they outscored the Spurs bench thirty six to thirty five, but it certainly wasn't like anything that we'd seen. Uh, collectively over the last the previous two games. Yeah, I, I really think that the past three games, he's shown that he's one of the strongest players that the Thunder have right now. And even though his ups are really great, he's never been able to keep that up from game to game. And tonight, I feel like he kind of solidified, in my mind, that he's going to be the front runner for this position of kind of like six man on the bench. And like you said, Brady, he is just everywhere on the floor. Like you look up and he's running to the rim, then he's trying to get a steal on the other end, and then he's setting someone up for a three or he's even, you know, pushing the ball movement so that they can get that great open shot. And I just feel like he's able to be everywhere in that offense, fit everywhere into the offense and really be a versatile player. So when his athleticism meets that versatility, meets that skill set, and he's able to be as effective as he was tonight and the last couple nights for the Thunder, he's looking like a pretty strong player. Yeah, and Matt, we always kind of put Hami like on the fence when we talk about the Thunder's young core. I mean, when we talk about the Thunder's young core, we of course mention SGA, Darius Baisley. Maybe some people mention Lou Dort because he's a starter. And I mean, he certainly played to a level where you can be hopeful and optimistic about his future. So you can go ahead and throw him in that category as well. But Hami's just for basically the offseason and then the first few games of this season has been on the fence of, well, this is a make-or-break year for him. Thus far, I've seen nothing uh, I've seen nothing out of his play 
um, his influence on this team, whether it's uh, positive play, whether it's just even his bad games, he's not shooting the thunder out of games, and that's the reason why they lost. There's just nothing that I've seen out of Hami this year thus far that makes me think, uh, he's he's not a part of their future plans. No, yeah, Hummy will definitely be a part of their future plans, and these first couple games have been a big reason why. Um, I think I think him being that like sixth man, and I think Mark Dagnall has said like, hey, we want you to be aggressive, okay? We want we want you to use that athleticism, use your ability to slash and get to the basket. And uh, take people off the dribble, and I think it definitely showed. I think it it gave Hami some confidence to go out there and do that, um, and it, it's it's showing. It is showing in a big way because uh, Hami, he's not going to be. I, we need to stop that uh, point guard trying to make him the the backup point guard type deal. That's not his game because whenever he drives, he is not looking. To dish it out, <laughs> he is not looking to facilitate in any way, shape, or form. He is attack mode. Like I've said before, he's the Charlie Sheen interview. He's got one speed, go. Yeah, and that's it. And he he is not looking to facilitate. He's not looking to pass. He is in attack mode. He's putting on the blinders and going straight to the rim. And I don't mind that, frankly. I yeah. mean, it it's to his benefit that he doesn't do that. And I don't think anyone that's not his game either. No, yeah. I was about to say no one should be trying to convince Hamadou Diallo that he should be the backup point guard. And I really do believe that Teo Maladon's going to be that guy. And he should be that guy. His size, his playmaking ability, the way he can dribble and pressure. I think that he's much more equipped for that position. And Hamadou Diallo plays way better off ball than he does when he's having the pressure of being that point guard and having to facilitate the entire offense. I don't, and frankly, I don't even think he's interested. It's not even like he's, right. he's, you know, kind of like begrudgingly like, okay, like, cause I'm, you know, one of the veterans on the team, quote unquote, I'll do it. No, I don't think he's even interested in trying to create a, a good offense to watch or like get all these other guys involved. He's like, I'm gonna do me. I'm gonna get mine. And I don't, just make sure it works. I don't blame it. Dude's I don't either. Out, dude's out there getting superstar calls. He had six free throws, hit all six of them. Uh, he just, for some reason, as out of control that, that he looks at times, the dude gets rewarded at the foul line. So if I am Hamadou Diallo, I mean, I guess, Matt, I mean, not to say that you're you're wrong here because you're right. Like He does not look to dish out to anybody. So him facilitating the offense basically is just a one, it's a one option offense. It's just Hamadou Diallo get to the rim. If I'm him, I'm like, hey, I'm either having a lot of success at the rim or I'm getting to the foul line. That's good. So, I mean, 16 points, 5-9 and nine out of Hamadou Diallo. Five points from Justin Jackson off the bench as well. Uh, Teo Maladon with four points, an assist, two rebounds. Mike Muscala coming back for the first time since getting need in what was called the ribs, but it certainly looked like something a little bit lower than the ribs, a little bit higher than the knees. Uh, wherever that place may be, I don't know. But three points, uh, one assist. Two rebounds. Lexi Pokashevsky, four points, one assist, and five rebounds that Thunder fans, like Thunder diehards, will just cling on to and say, those were great, strong rebounds. The, the kid has a future. I mean, he's hitting, what'd you say, a 15-foot bank shot on purpose, Matt? It was on purpose from straight ahead, too. It wasn't <laughs> It wasn't from the sides. It was straight ahead bank shot. And, and Christine had a lot of fun with his undershirt. <sighs> I okay. I just do not understand what Poku is trying to accomplish here because I have said before that he's just one of the dorkiest looking football, not football players, sorry, basketball players. He would. I mean, he'd be broken in two seconds. But <laughs> he's one of the dorkiest looking basketball players I have ever seen, and I feel like, especially when it comes to the NBA, you kind of have to have a little bit of street cred to get some respect and Poku so far has none and he is not helping himself by wearing this old looking like undershirt that's not even like the tank undershirt it's the sleeves and his arms are already so small like are you trying to hide your arms because you're not doing a great job of it now I'm like looking even closer and now I see how terribly not even small they're not like they're so white that it makes it even like it doesn't look bigger you know what I mean? You, you know how he, everyone looks better with a tan? Poku needs to get a good tan because his arms will look maybe like a half an inch bigger in but, diameter. And he really needs all the help he can get. And this shirt is not doing it for me. Oh, bless his heart. He's been here for about three months, two or three months. And it's been it's been cold and dark this entire time. Just wait. The Oklahoma sun will come out and burn those arms to a crisp. I hope 
up. So hey, it's, he it's needs like it. it's like Michael Scott in the office. He's not superstitious. He's just a, a little, little stitious. stitious. A little and stitious. he he hasn't played very well. I'll just say that to start off his Hot NBA take. career. So why not switch it up? You know, uh, maybe switch it up with a different shirt. But I'm not, I'm not. But I get it. Hey, do do something a little different. Clearly, he's getting a lot of new nice clothes, and he wants to try them on all out, and that's fine. I'm just saying, if Poku, if you even care, if you're listening, if you'll hear this later, um, switch it up, please. Let, Give me something else that's better. Allow me uh, to set the stage for our Thunder player of the game. By I'll rattle off some numbers for the starters since we just pretty much talked about the bench the entire time. A rather well-balanced uh, outing for the starting five. I mean, 12 points for Darius Baisley, six rebounds, four or 14 from the floor. Not too efficient, not efficient at all. Lou Dort, 12 points, six rebounds. Uh, he was three of six from the three-point line. Shea Gilson-Alexander with 20 points. Nine rebounds and two assists, and I do feel sorry for him. There are about four plays I can recall right now where he was robbed of an assist because the guy just didn't hit the open shot, so that's going to happen sometimes. George Hill with a good game for his standards, 12 points, five assists, five rebounds, and Al Horford with 10 points, seven rebounds, and three assists. He was 0 for 4 at the three-point line, and he missed two big ones that could have certainly uh, swing the momentum of this game late. But, Mr. Burton, let's get into our Thunder Player of the Game. Now, the Franchise Thunder Player of the Game, brought to you by Volkswagen of Edmond. Ladies first. All right. Let me go with the layup. I'm going to go with SGA, um, leader of the offense, scored 20 points tonight, was 7-10 to 10 from the field, and guys, guess what? Six of nine from the free throw. Nice, 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 nice. Now, the numerical value is nice, but missing three free throws in a game that was, you know, at one point a one-possession game. I don't know. That is less nice. That's that's around 70%. That's not bad. It's not bad. That's Russell Westbrook on the downs, on the down, (laughs) you know, downward spiral of his free throw percentage, which is still continuing to go down, down, baby. Whenever he couldn't walk back to the half court anymore. In between shots. That, let, me, let me tell you how uncomfortable it was to ask him about free throw stuff. I mean, I think I asked him about free throws once. But just being in the locker room, when people had to ask, it was so uncomfortable. Because he did not want to admit, yeah, not being able to walk to the to the half-court line has seriously hindered my free throw shooting. It was just, oh my gosh, it was so uncomfortable. Tough. Don't feel bad for him that much, though. It's T-U-F. I don't feel bad for him. <laughs> T-U-F, Page. Oh, wow. <laughs> Mr. Burton, do you have a different player of the game? Um, I don't, but if I did, it would go to Hami. But it's got to be Shea. It's got to be Shea for me. Everything that Christine said, especially the 6 for 9 from uh, the free throw line, nice, nice. Um, but no, Shea, in the first half especially, in the second half, I don't know what the Thunder were doing. It, it just... It didn't work. But first half, Shea looked really good uh, attacking the basket. And like you said, Brady uh, had a couple missed opportunities for some assists. But, you know, that, that, that's going to happen. But 20 points, 9 rebounds, almost a double-double for Shea. Uh, he's he's going to be my player of the game. If I had to pick anyone else, it would be Hami, though. Yeah, I mean, I'll go Shea. Like, I'm not even going to try and pretend to pick yeah. somebody else. Because, I mean, Hami is probably number two on this, but didn't play overly well enough right. to get the player of the game yeah. in any of our opinions. But uh, we can't highlight that one last play towards the end of the game where Shea drove and found Hamidou Diallo cutting the baseline. And, I mean, when you think of the future of the Thunder, I mean, that's what, like, bottle that play up. Because mm-hmm. that is, that's basically what Thunder basketball has been. It's just been up and down, fast, exciting, high-flying uh, level of play. And when it involves two guys that you feel like can be a part of your franchise for the next three, four, at least five years, I mean, Hami's still a little bit, he still has some more to prove, more so than SGA, but that certainly will get fans excited as a play like that. But um, real quick before we go to break, and we will be joined by the one, the only Jerry Ramsey uh, in the second segment following uh, Mark Dagnalt, coach, uh, head coach Mark Dagnalt's uh, post game availability. Uh, is anybody else a tad worried? I mean, we don't have to spend this much time as we'll get into this in the third segment, I'm sure. But is anybody else a tad worried with Darius Baisley's efficiency? Me, yes, 100%. <laughs> and I, I, I was do- wondering when we were going to have this conversation. Yeah, and I, I don't really, I don't know if it's because he's just uh, not a very efficient shooter or if it's because probably of anybody not named Lou Dort, he has the toughest defensive assignment every night. Yeah. And he's just, his brain is ready. Like, he does not make poor rotational mistakes. Mm -hmm. His mistakes are just, 
He's going up against guys that are just physically bigger than he is. He's going up against guys that have just played in this league for a lot longer than he has or have been starters in this league a lot longer than he has, and it shows. Yeah. And, I, and I'm wondering if that's bleeding into his uh, into the offensive side of his game. I 100% believe that it is. And I don't know if it's because... I, I kind of see him as more of a three than a four. So I don't know if it's because that George Hale and Lou Dort are kind of taking that position right now and Darius Baisley has to deal with kind of defending a bigger man on the other end and then having to try to transition into offense. I don't know if it's due to that. I don't know if it's due to him just not having enough experience or him not getting the ball as much as he should. Either way, though, he has not been the Darius Baisley that the Thunder need him to be for, for like, what, five or six games, I believe. I mean, he just hasn't been effective in the offense he hasn't been attacking the rim he hasn't been aggressive in my opinion and I thought that he was going to come out stronger you know I was kind of going into the season thinking he was slightly underrated because everyone was talking about how great SGA was and I was thinking like no Darius Baisley is going to have this breakout year he's going to be really explosive on offense and be pretty strong on defense as well and I don't think I've seen that really and it's unfortunate because I think he has the skill set and the versatility to be that guy. I just, I don't know if he's just been a, like exhausted defensively or if he just hasn't really kind of found his niche yet on the offense. But either way, he's got to figure it out quick. I feel like we've definitely seen it in spurts with Baisley this this year. We've seen it in spurts. We haven't seen it, uh, seen him string, I don't know, four or five games together consistently, yeah. right? Um, but I think experience has a lot to do with it. I really do. Um, just figuring out kind of what you can get away with on offense, what you know, how to get to your spots, um, and whenever whenever he drives, I think he just he doesn't have that end product yet where he's like, okay, I'm gonna go do this, and no one's gonna stop me because I am that athletic and I can do that. And I believe that Basley can get to that level. Um, it's just gonna take some time. Yeah, it's gonna take some time. He's still young, so. I wouldn't. I wouldn't. You know, just say he can't do it or can't oh, no. be an efficient player. Yeah, oh, no. we're just we're just like for for now. He, he's just got to get more experience, I think, and that's that's great for this year. Got ten down. They got sixty-two more of these this year, so there's going to be plenty more of some good, some bad, sometimes some ugly, unfortunately. But that's what happens when you're riding the tank. But that was the voice of Matt Burton over there. Is Christine Butterfield? I am Brady Trantham. Like I said a few minutes ago, we will be joined by the one, the only, Jerry Ramsey in the second segment, but you are listening to the First Take Thunder postgame show. The Thunder lose to the San Antonio Spurs, 112-102. to The tank rolls on. Thunder 5-5, five and five, 10 games into the season. Tank rolls on The tank rolls on. on. There you go. Got him. The NBA didn't pause the season, even though, I mean, the Sixers and the Heat played, and we'll, we'll get to around the association later, but I think they played with approximately 12 players on you know together combined on each team. Uh, the NBA is just like, nope, keep going. So the Thunder are just going to keep going and either play probably play a competitive game and either win or lose. That's what you know 500 will do to you. But Brady Trantham here, Christine Butterfield right next to me, Matt Burton across the glass keeping us alive, wearing his Vibes hat and his black Nike hoodie. Uh, always wearing black, always sponsored by Nike, Mr. Matt Burton. But we are also joined by, uh, well, Jerry, of course, Jerry Ramsey. Should I introduce you how you were texting uh, me earlier, about five minutes ago? Basically, basically setting the stage. I mean, just go ahead, like you do it. Like I'm not, go- I'm not going to say it. I don't want to get in trouble anywhere. So I'm just going to let you uh, basically... There's nothing to say, man. There ain't nothing to say. Listen, we do a concerted effort here on 1077 The Franchise to to make sure that we're involved in the pre and post, right? We're always trying to get quotes and, uh, like I said, be involved. And we have for years uh, from uh, uh, Derek Parker to the great Madison Morris uh, to John Hamm. All of us have been in the scrums with our nasty little nose in there trying to get all the stuff. And so tonight, tonight... Tonight, because we do Zooms now, and, you know, these poor people, I feel so bad for the Thunder, you know, people. They have to pick and choose, you know, who gets the questions or whatever. And I, Barry Trammell, who is fantastic, right? He's been writing. I think he got, he's going to get an award from people that don't read uh, what he writes. But he got to go and, and do a couple of questions. And they, they just, they, I, I don't want to say they skipped me, 
but I did not no, get the opportunity never. to ask my question. So, mm. I, and then it's not just, listen, like I said, I think the guy, I think the guy is great. Sports Colombo has been doing it a long time. So maybe they explain, think he's running that. Can we explain to our this, listeners who are not in their uh, 40s or 50s what Colombo <laughs> is? <laughs> Colombo was a detective back in the 70s, uh, and he wasn't the sharpest. Uh, detective, but he always solved the case, and he would sort of like stumble into stuff, and he'd be like, oh, "Excuse me, I, I noticed that that receipt was on the floor, and it just happens to match the amount that was stolen from your store." And it's like, "Oh, Columbo, you did it again." That's that, Barry Trammell's kind of that same way. There you go. I would say he's the sharpest guy, but he absolutely gets what he wants and and, and figures it out. So you didn't get to ask your question. So I didn't get to ask my question. That's well, it. It's, what was the it's, sour, it's sour grapes. It's sour grapes. Let us what know. Happened? You want to know what the question was going to be? Yes. Because I because I, no one has asked Mark Dagnalt this question, and it's a pressing question. You ready for this? Ready? You get your minds blown? Edge of my seat. Okay. The Oklahoma City Thunder have not won a game at home. It's a weird season. Like, do you even know you're at home? Like whenever you go out, like is it what what's you know what what is kind of going through your mind whenever you you know you're playing at Chesapeake Arena because it's one of the craziest you know the reputation is one of the craziest you know raw fans in the NBA they're just not there so you know can can you I, I wanted to hear what his opinion was on maybe why they haven't won at the peak. Yeah, because these players, I mean, they're not going to Fassler Hall like I used to see Andre Arbison go to rather frequently back in the day. So, I mean, it's, there's nothing that they're... No distractions. Basically anywhere. Well, there's no, there's no I would distractions. Love, there should be. I would love be. to know the head coach's thoughts on why they haven't won a, a home game. And he's a first-year coach. Just kind of put his thumb where his thinking is. But no, I mean, you know, I'm, sure, I'm sure, you know, those other guys had way more pressing questions than me. Well, um, some of the questions were kind of geared, uh, Jerry, not, not to hijack the conversation uh, because, you know, it's an hour-long no. post-game show, so we'll talk sure. about the game, of course. But uh, we do need to address the elephant in the room, and that's just kind of the bigger NBA picture at large here where uh, the NBA is you know, cracking down a little bit more on their uh, uh, health and safety protocols with COVID uh, because, like we kind of mentioned earlier, there are some teams rolling out eight, nine guys because of contact tracing. And uh, it seemed like a lot of... Uh, uh, the Thunder players in pre and post game today were basically asked about the stricter protocols. I mean, did anybody say anything that kind of stuck out to you during uh, post game availability, Jerry? No, no, absolutely not. It was it was literally about the Spurs game, and it was about the turnovers, and it was about, it was about Baisley's rebounding, and I mean, it just like so, it was business as usual. And uh, no, nobody did ask about the safety protocols because I, yeah, I too, I wonder that, and maybe if I get a chance tomorrow, who knows. Uh, I might ask Mark, you know, is there a, um, is there an opportunity? Is there a distraction when you're trying to uphold protocols while still coaching an NBA game? I'm sure it's a stress on everyone. No, I, th- I guess it was during pregame. George Hill said that he's a grown-ass man, that if he wants to see his family, then he's going to go see him. And then I think the rest of his quote was, if it's really that important or if it's really that bad, then maybe we shouldn't be playing. Oh, look at that. It sure is. Look at that. Now, see, I came on with you guys. Will that happen? <laughs> I mean, that, that's, I mean, I, I mean, Christine, that obviously like every, like whether it's that we've talked about the NFL, Major League Baseball in the last few months, uh, college football that just ended, they were able to get through their season relatively unscathed. Uh, the NBA seems to be having a lot of problems with this when they were the first league to really pin down how to successfully do this but it was in a bubble it was in orlando it was in a perfect ideal situation to play during a pandemic and they're still testing every day they test so much so that basically players are walking around waiting for a result and Mm -hmm. even players that are sitting on the bench playing a game are waiting for a result a result and we've seen players be ushered out of arenas because they've got a positive test so I don't know how this movie ends in the short term. The NBA is going to be able to finish this season. I just don't know if they're going to be able to finish it on schedule. I don't believe that they will. I mean, when you think about the reason why it was so successful for football is because you have, what, like one game a week. So you're you're able to kind of control that situation a lot more than the NBA who plays usually like three games three a week. Three or four games a week, yeah. Exactly. So, and you think about the fact that they're traveling every two days, pretty much, unless you have like the home stint of like this week, they have, you know, four home games in a row, but they were on the road for five games. That's a lot of traveling. That's a lot of players that 
and people that they're coming into contact. And that's just stuff that you can't control. And that's why it was so effective in the bubble because you could, you're able to quarantine them. You're able to have them in this secure location without any traveling and you could limit all the contact that you had. Now it's like all the variables are coming back involved and they can't control everything. And that's why you're seeing all these situations where they're having to postpone these games and why players are getting contact tracing problems. And the NBA is doing a good job of handling it, but I don't think that in this kind of scenario and in this kind of environment, they can limit it to what they want their schedule to be. I think it's going to be a longer season than we've been used to. Uh, to follow up, yeah, to follow up on what George Hill said, he said we want to play a game, but I don't understand why some of the rules, we can't sweat next to a guy for 48 minutes, uh, <laughs> but we we can't talk to them afterwards. It just makes no sense. I, I, here, as, as a grown-ass man, let me say this. The, the older you get, the more you know you feel like you're entitled to do something, especially when stricter rules. And I can just speak for like how we've lived this last year. Right. Uh, you know, nobody's going to tell me what to do. Uh, I've lived my life. I've gone as far as I have or whatever. There's a lot of people out there uh, who feel that entitlement. But I mean, you're a professional, you know, you're a professional and that's what your job's telling you to do. At the end of the day, whether you like what it is or not, your job gives you a set of rules. You follow them. And I know being complicit is not the trendy thing to do. But damn it, if you want to get paid, you follow the rules. You can bitch about them all you want. George Hills, you know, can say what he wants about all this stuff. But will you follow the rules? Because if you do, guess what? You get handsomely paid. I mean, yeah, I, the NBA is being reactionary here. I, I understand why, but they're being reactionary because the big example is uh, Jason Tatum. I can't remember if it was Jason Tatum or Bradley Beal that came down with either the contact trace or the positive test. I think it might have been Jason Tatum, but Bradley Beal had to go sit out. Uh, for seven days because he was, you know, after a game talking closely to Jason Tatum on the floor. And the NBA probably just thinks, well, if we had these protocols in place that they can't talk to one another or hug each other or high five each other at the end of the game, Bradley Beal could at least still be playing for the Washington Wizards. So th- these are all reactionary things that they're learning in real time. It's just I, I can imagine as a player and as a coach n- full, n- fully understanding the sacrifices you have to make this season, how everything has to be a little bit stricter for it to just become more strict and at times a little bit silly. Uh, I can understand how that can kind of weigh on just what, like, what are we doing here? Just that, that overall thought. But I, I just wanted to get that out there. I just wanted to talk about it because I'm assuming in the next few days, we're going to be getting more and more information from the league. And for all we know, the season can be put on a tiny, tiny hiatus. I hope not, but uh, who knows how this is going. So let's get back into the game a little bit more. So, uh, Jerry, we like before we went to the our first break, we uh, we were all talking about Darius Baisley, and mainly just his, his the nights that he's had like more consistently this season. It's just been inefficient shooting, and I'm frankly a little surprised by it. But the more I think about it, and I'm just curious what your thoughts are. The more I think about it, I think it just has more to do with the fact that his defensive responsibility, which he may not be physically ready for, I think he's mentally prepared for it. But I don't know if he's physically ready for it at this point in his career with all the reps that he's had under his belt. And if he's not, I feel like that that's probably the cause because it's bleeding into the offensive side of his, of his game. But I'm just curious what you're seeing. Another question I had uh, was, and Baisley and Dort in particular, neither, neither one of them were very efficient this evening. Uh, this evening. Uh, do they have added pressure not to only contribute offensively but defensively uh, every single night, it looks like Baisley is given a different assignment and, and just a whole different body and game, right? What are we talking about? Zion? We're we talking about Jimmy Butler. Uh, he had to run around with KD a little bit. I mean, he is giving. He's getting the assignments uh, around the NBA. He's getting a taste of the NBA like he's an Epcot Center or something. But uh, you know, is it bleeding over into his offense? It shouldn't. I mean, he's still fresh legged and fresh faced. He should be able to, you know, put buckets on the one side and concentrate on the other. Um, that is going to be development that we're all looking for. Is can Darius Baisley play both sides of the uh, both sides of the court? Because honestly, he could easily, with some bad habits, be a scorer, and that's it. Yeah, I was uh, talking about this with Ryan Chapman actually in the last um, podcast we did for OKC eighty two, where I was basically talking about the same scenario where Lou Dort I think as of right now 
was the only player that was kind of had the pressure of being a defensive threat and then also being effective on offense. Now I think we're starting to see that Darius Baisley is holding the same pressure as well since he's usually guarding either the second most um, skilled player on a team or the first, depending on if, you know, they have a bigger player that that's more yeah, effective. Yeah, if, if the position, the the center or the, fo- or the four, is their big scorer, then it's Baisley. Right. Baisley's on him, yeah. Exactly. So, so now you're seeing a situation where Darius Baisley probably can't be as efficient from or can't be efficient offensively because he's using a lot of that energy defensively. And you might see that be offset throughout the season or, you know, if he has an easier assignment from one game to another, he might have a better offensive night. I think it's going to be very variable throughout the season on, you know, how effective he can be on offense. So I guess we'll see. I uh, listen, Here's where I disagree a little bit as far as what toll it's taking. I think it's taking a, a way bigger mental toll than it is physical. Like I said, I mean, he could probably run around the gym for two hours after the game is over playing both sides of the ball. So I think physically, and I think, Brady, you were kind of speaking to that. He was He's prepared for this. It's just mentally trying to forget that you just gave up a, a you know a straight line drive and try to get back offensively or you know you missed a really bad shot but now you have to go check a guy who's hit his last three so i think mentally it takes its toll i don't know i mean i don't from a fitness standpoint i think i agree with you but i still believe that he's not as coordinated with where to put his body all the time and so physically, I really think that he needs to work on his confidence. He needs to work on his placement, especially down low, because I think he can have the force and the strength to really be great down low and then also have the versatility from behind the arc. But he needs to work on that physicality and that confidence. And even though that does come from, you know, your mental state at first, he still needs to learn how to be coordinated, especially in those situations. I mean, really, the big the big thing in this game, guys, is if you just look at the stats, I mean, this, neither team really blew each other away in, in anything, except two things, but they both have something to do with one another. Um, I mean, both teams shot around 30% from the three-point line. Both teams were pretty much uh, a wash in fast break points and bench points. The Thunder had 50 points in the paint. The Spurs had 36, but the Spurs aren't a paint team. The Thunder tried to be a paint team tonight, so they were trying to be a little bit a-characteristic tonight. But really what it came down to... The Spurs had eight steals. The Thunder had 13 turnovers. The Spurs had four. And the Spurs just capitalized off off of it. So, I mean, if you look, if you go through the box score, uh, Teo Maldon led the team with three turnovers. Everybody else had about two. I mean, everybody in the starting five basically had two. Uh, Wasn't a very sloppy game, but it, it was just one of those games, Jerry, where one or two mistakes from one guy snowballed to one or two mistakes from another guy and it was just a bad night you know it's it's the other side of the coin when we talk about the last two games where the bench comes off and Hamdou Diallo and other guys are just hitting shot after shot after shot and it counterbalances everything so in that vein it's one thing leads to another it's another good thing that leads to another tonight was just kind of a bad end of the coin and listen how many times have I called LaMarcus Aldridge the missionary position of basketball players uh, and the Spurs were absolutely the make sure the kids are in bed missionary position of basketball. I mean, like you said, four turnovers. I mean, go pay your taxes early. Uh, pay for the guy's coffee behind you in line. What a goody goody basketball game they played. Four turnovers total. Oh, Russell Westbrook would have four turnovers in the first five minutes of a very important game. Just, oh, you want to talk about just disgusting brand of basketball. Oh, let's take care of the basketball and then go steal it eight times. Yeah, I, yeah. Now, that, uh, very simplified, Brady, but you nailed it. That's the game. I try to. Thank you so much, Jerry. I'm going to write that down <laughs> in my diary. <laughs> I just, I thought about that too. I was like, that's an oversimplification of how this game went. But it's 100% the reason why the Spurs end up winning by 10. Well, I mean, I, I, I got it. When I come on the radio, I've got to explain it to like a, a million different versions of me where I'm dumb and I need to, I need to have things simplified. Well, no, I listen. And, and, and listen, here's the thing about you, Bray. You do a great job because you're not really a baller. Actually, the only one of us here who's actually played a high level of basketball, I believe is behind the glass there. Deuce, deuce, that's a uh, twenty-two because he played that. And what, what was that? What division was that? Six, six, it was a? six, six A. Six oh, yeah. A. 
Oh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, before we finish the segment with me, I always love hearing from an expert opinion, somebody who actually put his nose on the hardwood. Is that the feet in the... Is, right, oh. yeah, yeah, yeah. Nose on the hardwood, yes. You you would know that, too. You're a baller yourself. Did you, you know slap Douglas? the floor, Burton? Oh. Did I slap the floor? Did you slap the floor? You no, better. I did not. Oh, then you want a real 6A player. Yeah. No. No, that's but, only that's for Duke and Duke only, and I respect that. And you but, guys should. Uh, and you guys here. should too. All right, thank you. But but Cougar Killer is that a oversimpli- <laughs> is that an oversimplification of the game? Four turnovers, eight steals. Uh, no, the four turnovers is insane. That's, I mean, I, I think Greg Popovich is sitting in his office right now, having a like slowly slipping sipping a glass of wine or a glass of scotch, whatever he drinks. It's probably something very classy that I can't afford. <laughs> and uh, he's just staring at that four turnover number and just, like, smiling. That's he's a, just smirking. That's a typo. He's just smirking. That's all he's doing. Well, well the, go ahead. Oh, no, I was just going to get us to do our last segment. So what are you going to bring us, Mr. Jerry? I just, can I finish? I'm kind of going off script here and uh, congratulating OSU and their victory over Kansas. Something. You know, oh, yeah. Sorry, Christine. Uh, but uh, Can we not? Here's the thing. You know why Kansas lost this game? Or, you know, uh, how, how Kansas lost this game, don't you? I was at the Chesapeake Arena, so okay, I well, could not well, keep thank track. You. I, was I think, it Kate I saw, Cunningham go. going go. coast to I coast? I saw Bryce Young broke his finger. That's not I good. Think, I think the play was Kate Cunningham going coast to coast. I believe something. Kansas, ready for this? Sure. Only has their self to blame. <laughs> only their self. Get it? I don't. To blame. Can someone explain or draw yeah, me a picture? Okay. All right. Anyway. Fair that, enough. That's yeah, my dad think, joking. I'm out. Yeah, you should be. <laughs> I'm going to try to get back on the call and see if I can get somebody to Tanking! Yeah. <laughs> no, I'm sorry. Sorry, we're going. We're going. Tanking! Through the quad and into the gymnasium. Come on, everybody! Glad we got that squeezed in, Burton. Now this one's going to be a little machine. This one's going to be a little tough unless you just take the easy route and go Pokashevsky because, like, basically any time he plays, it's going to be Pokashevsky. Yeah, I mean, I usually go kind of Kendrick Williams because I think he brings zero value to the Thunder. But he, he played three minutes and registered only. Let's see, um, one block, one block, and a turnover. And let me so let me have. Oh, Pokushevsky. you're still here. Yes, let me have Pokashevsky tonight because I want to explain the flash that I explained to you guys tonight. Can I talk about the flash? I guess. Yes, please tell us about Pokashevsky uh, flashing. All right. Every offensive possession that Pokashevsky is on, he runs down the court and like does some sort of hand motion or waves his arms every single time as if an NBA player cannot see a seven-foot dude with that kind of wingspan. I just, I don't know what it is. It's a bad habit he picked up somewhere. But watch. Every single offensive possession, he runs down and, like, gets to a spot and just is like, hey, hey, hey. And, like, it has to get just old for the Oklahoma City Thunder watching him. Hami completely ignores him a ton of times and just drives to the basket. So your tank master is the flash master, Alexei Pokashevsky. You know, Jerry, I know you say that Matt Burton is the only one of us to play high-level basketball, but in my AAU days, (laughs) I remember there would be a girl on the team that would always just yell and wave her arms frantically for the ball, and guess what? She never got passed to, so totally with you there. There was a girl on your team that flashed? Yes. She was like (laughs) 5'9", and you know, for girls, it's like, bro, everyone sees you. We got you, you. You wouldn't pass her the ball? No, Matt. Even though she really wanted you froze her out? Was her name Regina Jackson? I don't want to say her name. Just... What's, what's her at, Christine? <laughs> I don't I don't know. What's her MySpace? Are you I, on haven't her top followed, eight? I haven't followed her. Listen, if George Hill acted like you, we'd never know that he was a grown-ass man and could do whatever he wants. You need to take it by the, you know. Sure. Stuff. There you yeah. go. Take it it by was the... Reggie Jackson's sister. <laughs> got him. Oh, no. Burton, who's your tank commander? Uh, give me Mike Mascala. Oh, 
Oh, oh, oh yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Oh. Sorry, Madison Morris. She just spit out her mascara. I just, I just went. Is. I just went down a few notches in in her book. Sorry about that. Yeah, she's gonna no. send an angry text on the text line. <laughs> she she will. Uh, she will body shame me. She will body shame me. She's she's is, body shame me. That's what she so. does. Yeah. Her book is written in calligraphy too. So watch yeah. out. <laughs> oh, she wow. journals now these days. <laughs> but yeah, old old Mike Mascala, Mikey Mikey Moose. As I like to call him, he can't. He couldn't buy one tonight. Could not buy one tonight. So he is going to be my take merit of the game. Three points, one for four from the field, one for three from three point line. Mike Muscala. This was a rather solid outing for this individual. Um, but anytime I see Justin Jackson, I just assume I think the Thunder are probably going to lose that game. <laughs> so Justin Jackson's probably going to be my uh, tank commander of the game. Five points. And like I said, a, a rather good outing considering. Uh, two of four from the floor, one of two from the three-point line. Uh, but again, just the the human white flag. <laughs> yeah, I got to go Kendrick Williams because I'm not going to go chalk. Uh, every time he plays, he does nothing helpful ever. So... <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> Um, I'm gonna that go is so it. wrong. Man, we're killing him. He only played three minutes. Oh, my goodness. The, ca- the Carolina Shag. Come on. I, and he did nothing effectively those three minutes. So. Oh, wow. point. Okay. All right. We're just How hurt. easy it is for us to judge. We're just yeah. hurting hurting each other's yeah. feelings, but you know, let's try to bring it back down to earth and all love each other and all listen as best as we can. That's one of those bad habits she got in AEU, just criticizing other people. Ugh. Oh, Burton? Did you Jerry! <laughs> I Jerry, you know my size. I had to make sure from the get-go people knew not to mess with me. And that was, you know, talking trash. Yeah, and also uh, fouling aggressively. That was just kind of my MO. Who was that coach at Temple all those years ago, Jerry, who just sent a player out to go punch somebody? John Chaney? John Chaney. So Christine would have played for John Chaney. Yeah, yeah absolutely. That's a blast right. from the past. Jerry, thank you so much for joining us. No, thank us. you. No, no, no. no. And, and I want you to get prepared for your show tomorrow, uh, TV on the radio and the franchise players, uh, because I know you're going to come hot and heavy with the uh, I Got Silenced in the Thunder Post game. You know what? I'm a I'm a pro. You know, I, I was a little sour about it. I, you know, and and it was it wasn't like it was like uh, some podcaster. I mean, it, it it was it was Trammel. So I mean, you know, it is what it is. Probably got silence for a podcaster. Oh, I would have jumped out the I would have jumped out the window. So well, I appreciate your time on the radio, and of course, this is also a podcast. So uh, yay! This is the OKCA Two podcast for those who are just tuning in and want to keep listening uh, after we are off the air. But Jerry, thank you so much. We'll talk to you later, brother. See you later. Bye. That was Jerry Ramsey, not on the Little Caesars Hot and Ready Hotline, but on a tie line in his boxers from his Edmund Estate all the way up there in Edmund land. But that is Christine Butterfield. Matt Burton's our producer. I am Brady Trantham. We get back one more segment here on the Thunder's loss to the San Antonio Spurs, but you are listening to 107.7, The Franchise. Thunder lost! But wow. depending on your attitude, you're either happy or you're just ple- pleasantly upset. Oh, my team lost. That's not good. Oh, well. For the tank. For the tank. Hashtag for the watch. The Thunder lose to the San Antonio Spurs, 112-102. to The Thunder got down to within four in about, with about two minutes to go, just like they always do, except for the Heat. Uh, they find a way to either win, they find a way to lose just barely. Tonight was the latter. Uh, Al Horford missed two big threes. Uh, he was 0-4 from the three-point line, so just didn't have it. Had it otherwise, had it all over the floor. Otherwise, just not from the three-point line. But the Thunder fall once again to the Spurs, 112-102. to They are 5-5. Five and five. On the year, snapping their little three-game winning streak, which, for all we know, guys, let's remember that. Let's bottle up that three-game winning streak. Let's remember how we all felt. Let's remember that friendship. Let's remember those times in our lives, because that might be the longest winning streak this team's going to have. But I'm Brady Trantham. You're Christine Butterfield looking at me like you want to hit me with a hammer or some blunt object. Wow, and, that's so aggressive. And no. You're the aggressive She's one. Aggressive. And yeah, you just, Not towards you. Not towards you. You were just trash-talking like... Trash talking ladies. Sports. That's a whole different. That's a whole separate thing. Well, you know, this is sports radio. Radio. At one point, I think it was sports. Keyword radio. It was at one point. It was. Yeah, and that's Matt Burton over there agreeing with me. Just (sighs) always, you know, always. It's the vibes. I'm sorry, Chris. It's just vibe. We're just vibing. Do we need to go to an anger management class? (laughs) 
No. <laughs> That'd be funny if she was like, no! <laughs> just screamed at me. I literally, I, I fought the urge to scream, and then I was like, I need to sound, like, kind of whiny so that people will believe that I'm still slightly vulnerable and not always mean. Well, there's that vein, like, in your forehead. It looks like... Have you seen my eye eyelid vein? No. Oh, I have an eyelid it, vein. Does it look like Harry Potter's I hide scar? It. I hide it all the time. Does I'll it, send you a pic tomorrow. Does it? <laughs> when I don't have makeup on. Because I seriously, I cover it up like, no one cares about this, but I'm going to tell you guys. I um, Tell like, us your whole makeup routine. Okay. So whenever I put like foundation and concealer on, I pack on so much on oh, one so eyelid. Do I. <laughs> so do I. On one of my eyelids so that I hide my eyelid vein. Oh, that is. Because people think I mess up my makeup. Like that's how like, like deep it looks. That is deep. This is some deep radio talk. Anyway, very deep conversation. Burton, yeah. please take us around the association. I will gladly. Always try to get you. Take us around the association. Almost had you that time. I know. Not got yet. me. Got me last week, but that's just because the computer was buffering. Little little technical difficulties. Buffering. Little technical difficulties. Uh uh uh. I can't you didn't those. say the magic words. I can't help those. Pretty please. Can I what? Hmm? What? Huh? Hmm? What? Hmm? Hmm? Anyways, Cougar killer. <laughs> Pictures, oh jeez. Huh? All right. Okay. Anyways, uh, the Brooklyn Nets uh, hosted the Denver Nuggets tonight, and they got a victory, one twenty-two to one sixteen. Bull Bull had his first start tonight, uh, but only played sixteen minutes, only five points for good old Bull. We all Bull, remember a where player we so were. nice. They named him twice. Yeah, we all remember where we were. Where he was the best player on earth, right in the bubble. Remember that? Oh, preseason for sure. Game? Yeah, yeah. yeah. For sure. That was a fun time. And real quick, Burton, did Kyrie Irving play in this game? Uh, he did not. Nope. Now, you are a little Duke fanboy. Real quick. Okay, uh, in, a Duke in, in less fan. Than, in less okay. than 20 I'm seconds. I'm a fan man. Fanboy. Fan man. Fanboy. In, fan in, fan in, in less than 20 seconds, <laughs> you like what Kyrie Irving's doing, or do you have a, an opinion on it? What do you, what do you got? Yeah, you know, once, once, they go, once they go pro... They're no it's, longer yours. You know, I mean, they never go back. You they fly. You know, they, you they, they grew their wings and they fly, you know? They just go wherever the world takes them. That is such an irresponsible fan base. What are you talking about? He's a peacock. You You don't keep track of your alumni. You're a Kansas fan. Yes, I am. Excuse you. Irresponsible. I keep up with with my players. No, Devontae Graham, love of my life. I'll claim that. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, No, I do not like what what Kyrie is doing. He is uh, especially... Well, I, I think it is true, right? We all saw the video of him out for his sister's birthday uh, in a crowded place. So, uh, I mean, I don't agree with that. The uh, I, th- I think the word that is going around, and you guys were talking about it with uh, with Jerry a little bit, the new protocols with guys wearing masks on the bench, and George Hill was vocal about it tonight. Uh, optics. That is the word. That is the word of the day. No, I mean, the grease optics. is the word, but I guess today, the optics. optics can be the word, too. The optics do not look good for Kyrie Irving. So, mm. I will say that, but uh, I'm glad he went to Duke for, like, the 10 games that he played. <laughs> I, just find, I just find it funny that someone can be a flat earther and still go to Duke. <laughs> he was there for one year. He didn't go to Duke Basically. Medical School, Christine. <laughs> you still got to have like semi-good grades. I mean, come on. It's a private school. Did Joel and B have good grades? Kansas is a different story. He, he couldn't Kansas go to class. Different story. His back they was hurting. I will Kansas come across cheats, the glass. So. Kansas cheat, cheats at Duke doesn't. So. Oh, I guess they do. They just the don't get clean caught. Program. Tough being the last clean program. Okay, okay, okay. It's, um. <laughs> <laughs> the the uh, Utah Jazz went to Cleveland tonight, got the victory, one seventeen to eighty seven. Just, Whew. just putting it down on the Cavaliers. What, Do you like remember the Cavaliers? Points, right? Remember the Cavaliers were like number one team in the East. Yeah, they were undefeated. They're five and seven now. Uh, they are five and seven now, and I don't think they had yeah no Colin Sexton, no Darius Garland. Well, five and well, seven, they could still win the NFC East. <laughs> <laughs> they could, they could. Uh, they just need to get a draw in there somewhere. They need to get a tie in there somewhere to beat the to beat the Eagles this year. Uh, Donovan Mitchell, twenty seven points to lead the way for the Utah Jazz. Um, let's see what else we got. The Lakers were victorious. Uh, I'm going to save that one actually because we have a soundbite from there that. There we go. We have a soundbite from that. But there's the good Brady, producer. Yeah, you should have. I Bra- thought you were going to save it. No, no, no. I'm, I'm going to save it to the end, but I almost forgot because I didn't want to do this to Brady like 
the heat now loss. Now he's just tensing and oh the the heat loss. Yeah. No, they're not they're not uh it's weird. They're they're having a start to the season that I expected last year. Last year they started off like nine and one. Just came out firing out of the gate. The heat loss, but also they had what? Eight players? Maybe. Yeah, the Sixers had. I think they both had been. They had both been Simmons and Joel Embiid, but they also didn't have like a third of their roster. Like Mike Scott wasn't playing. I know for sure. But yeah, no. Tyler no, Hero had thirty. Uh, Tyler Hero had thirty-four points. So. He did. He did. It looks like no Tobias Harris either. But yeah, no Jimmy Butler, no Bam. Stuff. I, but it, the committee put up a lot of points. One thirty-seven to one thirty-four. The yeah. Sixers got the victory in overtime. So the committee will look favorably on that loss. <laughs> yeah, it's a no Trevor Lawrence. Yeah, uh, against against Notre Dame. Most it was early time. in the season, you know. <laughs> right. Yeah, they didn't didn't have their full full schedule, but A uh, and M should have been over should have been in over them. But um, <laughs> <laughs> obviously, tongue in cheek. Sure, the Aggies deserve nothing. Um, the Pacers and Warriors are tied right now. Eight minutes left in the second quarter, but the Lakers. <laughs> Beat the Rockets in Houston tonight, 117 to 100. LeBron James, 26 points to lead the way. Anthony Davis, 19 and 10. Uh, Kyle Kuzma, 11 and 11. Good for Kyle Kuzma. But Brady Trantham sent me this audio clip. And uh, you all just, just enjoy. I want to talk about some aesthetics. James Harden definitely had a pregame meal, averaging 17 points a game over the last four. Uh, Are we fat shaming James definitely Harden? Definitely had now? a pregame meal. That is, that's tough. Look, he he's always been a bigger specimen. Guard. He's yeah. always been a bigger guard. He's not cut by any means like Russell Westbrook is. He's not skinny like a Bradley Beal. Like James Harden is. Or one, an one, I think he has like the he has the Carmelo Anthony look. Like kind of like they're not. They're not skinny. They're not. They're not fat, overweight. But they're, they're not. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're, just, you know. They're, and and they're here's I mean, the thing: people are gonna dog James Harden because of how he's acted for the last four months. Yeah. And I'm sorry. It's if you get critiqued, it's either fair or it's unfair. And I don't want to body shame anybody, but just the sheer fact that that was uttered on an NBA broadcast just is funny to me. Uh, the blue uh, outfit that James Harden is wearing, not uh, the, the warm-ups, no. not flattering. No. He could have done better for himself, for sure. But it does, but like Brady said, I for someone to say that, like on, that, on national <laughs> television, and to, I mean, like, right before his analysis, right? It, it's like right before he's getting into what he could be shooting this game, like guards he could be playing up against. He just, nope, nope, they're going straight in. We're going to body shame James Harden and frankly I, he kind of deserves it I don't know from how he's been acting slightly I don't really feel bad for him but I also I wouldn't have I wouldn't have done that as a <laughs> as an announcer or as a commentator you know like that, that's definitely kind of crossing the line to me and speaking of the Lakers real quick I'll just throw this out there because the Thunder are playing once again tomorrow night in Oklahoma City against the Los Angeles Lakers uh, Frank Vogel announced after their game against the Rockets that Anthony Davis uh, hurt his finger on the rim. I believe it was either a dislocation or um, just hurt his finger. And Anthony Davis is now questionable uh, for the game tomorrow night in Oklahoma City. I I mean, I think we talked about this last week, guys. Uh, somebody said it. might have been Ryan Chapman. might have been you, Matt. But, I mean, was LeBron James going to sit out this game in Oklahoma City? <laughs> it was definitely Ryan because he also was talking about this on the... Okay, CD two post game pod. Uh, it's, I mean, there there was like a two year stretch when I think LeBron was still with the Cavs, or maybe his first year with the Lakers, where he just did not play in those games when they came to Oklahoma City. But when he was with the Lakers, of course, you get an extra chance to maybe see him in Oklahoma City. But um, I, the fans obviously won't care because the fans won't be in the arena. But oh well. Yeah, dislocating your finger on the rim. That's why I never dunked. Oh really? That's why you. That's never it. Yep. That's the reason. That's why it well, would hurt you. Bad, I, I mean, think. I appreciate that you respect your body enough to right. like to right. take care of it. See, Matt, I, I did lived dunk. below the rim. I lived below the rim. I did dunk because I wasn't scared of nothing. Just kidding. I live behind the three point arc. Is where where I lived. <laughs> I would hope so, for your size. Wow. Okay. Jeez. We need to have a franchise pickup game. 
This is a long time. Like this is, is this a long, a long time, time, time coming. coming. She's yeah. the, she's the opposite of Madison. She just body shamed me for being skinny. Yeah. Actually, it was your height, What's not going your on? We just weight. Had, well, oh, wow. Wow. Oh, geez. Christine, don't follow oh, Madison's goodness. example. <laughs> I'm six feet tall. Let's 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 set the record straight here. Oh, you're six feet. You're six you are feet? Oh yeah. I thought oh, you were yeah. like a, a good five ten. Oh no. Oh no. <laughs> oh, no. Guys, Alexi Pokashevsky is very tall. He's super really? tall. He's very tall, and I don't know if you guys know this, but he had four rebounds tonight, and they were all exceptional. <laughs> <laughs> Let's lay off the sure. candy. He's nineteen. It's just sure. incredible what this scouting department for the thunder have done sure are you they've are you identified are you doing billy donovan right no now? i'm not doing billy <laughs> okay. okay wait are you doing someone right now i might be doing someone might be a lot of people okay just just <laughs> just, just amazing what what he's doing sam presti no, 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 he's not no, using. Sam, big why would words. I make fun of Sam Presti? He's not using big enough words to imitate Sam. I can only I dream to... of such words. Trying to play up the guessing game, Matt. Someone's got to do it. You aren't guessing. I know. Final thoughts, guys. Th- again, the big easy stat to look at in this game because there's nothing really to look at individually from any player except for like maybe one player just didn't shoot the three ball particularly well maybe somebody didn't shoot efficiently like Darius Baisley Hami didn't have a bad night he didn't have a great night like he's had the last two nights so there's nothing that you can really point to but from a team perspective it's just the 11 turnovers to the two turnovers probably the biggest uh, eyesore for me yeah you know it's unfortunate just because I feel like the past few games we've seen, they've actually done a really good job of taking care of the ball. And this game, they just, I don't think we're on it. And I don't know if that's because Hamadou Diallo was kind of leading the charge sometimes. And maybe Teo Maladon isn't as comfortable handling the ball in these situations. And we've seen him previously. Um, either way, though, it definitely came down to turnovers because the San Antonio Spurs ended up scoring 26 points off of turnovers tonight. So basically every single turnover that the Thunder had, the Spurs were able to convert into points. And that's just the biggest reason that they won the game. That's a well-coached team. I mean, the Spurs are bad. Like they yeah, were no, they're, no, they're not team, a good but team. But they're well-coached. But they were able to yeah. convert all the turnovers that they caused into layups on the other end. So that is a fundamentally sound basketball team when you're able to just be able to take advantage of those situations and make another team pay. So ultimately, I don't think it was that bad of a loss for the Thunder. And if you're... a fan that's pro tanking be happy if you're a fan that's sad that they lost they're playing again tomorrow so no big deal and lebron james is oh, oh maybe maybe just look forward to the game after oh god they're going on the road to play the nuggets and the clippers <laughs> twice and oh my no they got the they got the chicago bulls oh no the, the bulls beat them twice in a row in the preseason, <laughs> pre-season. it's a billy donovan revenge game again again um yeah no Tonight, it was just, like you said, if, when they're a well-coached team, they're well-disciplined, and they're not going to they're not going to mess up. You're going to have to make them mess up, and the Thunder really didn't do that tonight um, on the defensive end. And then, yeah, like we talked about Baisley earlier, uh, not not as consistent, but, I mean, again, he's, what, 21? He's, he's still learning. He just get, needs to get that experience back. And, uh, but... Hamadou Diallo played well again. This, like you said earlier, this has turned into a streak. This is a trend now. So uh, I'm I'm excited to see Hamadou Diallo and uh, what he can keep doing going forward. Yep. What are your? <laughs> no, I mean that. Just the turnovers. The turnovers. But again, it just depends on your expectations. Like I, I guess I go into every single game not expecting the Thunder to win. It's not because I disrespect this team or I think this team is trash, but it's just because for the most part, uh, even teams like the Spurs, you know, they're a little bit better at what they're trying to do more so than what the Thunder are trying to do. The Thunder try to check up a bunch of threes and try to make a good amount of them to increase their margin for error at the ends of games. Tonight, they didn't want to do that. They wanted to get in the paint, and they had a lot of success doing so. But in so doing, they kind of got off script and got out of character. And once the game went on and on and on to the second and the third quarter, since they lost their identity a little bit, they lost track, and the the deficit kept going and kept going, and they were able to make a game out of it late with just their effort alone. Uh, And I guess you can take... 
you can take your battle there if you're the Thunder because they've had some success late in games when it's been competitive. Of course, they won a buzzer beater against Charlotte at the beginning of the year, so I don't blame them for having that thought whatsoever. But uh, at the end of the day, I don't expect this team to win a lot of games. So cool. it just depends on your expectations. I agree with that. I think my expectations of the Thunder are growing into different things from my from my expectations from the beginning of the season. So now with my improved expectations, I do I don't go into every game thinking they're going to lose. I go into them into every game thinking that they could possibly win if they stay competitive, which they have been doing. Um especially on the road. I mean, home games I think at this point you can tell that they're not going to be a home team game even or a home game team. Um, even though it doesn't really matter since there's no fans. So that's that's an interesting question that Jerry proposed to Mark Dagnalt or didn't because he couldn't get on. But I think on the road you could see them be a pretty competitive team. So for me, I'm looking at each player's individual improvement throughout the season and how they stack up against what performance they did the previous night. Fair enough. That's going to wrap it for us. Everybody, thank you so, so much for listening to us. Here on the First Take Thunder Post Game Show, we'll, like we said, we'll be back tomorrow night. I believe it'll be Christine Butterfield once again, Ryan Chapman, and Matt Burton. Uh, I don't think Jerry will be joining. He'll probably be trying to still get a question in, but you know, stay tuned. Maybe there'll be some developments there. But everybody, thank you once again. Uh, also, if you're interested in listening to the show because you caught the tail end, you can always find it on the OKC82 podcast, wherever podcasts are available. Free. Just subscribe. It's really easy. And you can listen on as much as you want. But until next time, everybody, thank you so much. Stay tuned here on 107.7 The Franchise. But you've been listening to the First Take Thunder postgame show. I want to talk about some aesthetics. James Harden definitely had a pregame meal, averaging 17 points per game over hey, the last four. Um, 